You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 148. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we are excited to be announcing the launch of our next live webinar series entitled Summer School for Your Portfolio. I will give a preview of some advice on how to construct your portfolio to take advantage of long-term winners. Today, we also have two Your Stock, Our Take segments. The first, Liminar Linamar Corporation, LRN on the TSX. The company manufactures powertrain and drive lines for vehicle and power generation markets. The majority of the company's revenues come from the vehicle segment, however. A listener asks us if it offers good value as a reopening investment with the economy continue to open up once again. Our second question came in from a listener on a new IPO or initial public offering. The company is Element Nutritional Sciences, symbol ELMT on the CSE, a Canadian nutraceutical company specializing in the development of science-based products for the global consumer packaging goods market, focusing specifically on men and women over the age of 50, the latter being Brennan's target market. The listener asks us about the company specifically and also if we have any recommendations regarding what information we would typically like to know about a new IPO to make an informed decision regarding investigating or even following up on the stock as a possible future investment. Let's kick into the show. Uh, Aaron Brennan, I'd like to welcome you. Aaron, yeah, you were on Michael Campbell's Money Talks this weekend. How did that go? Apparently I was. I, I, it went well. I you don't even feel remember. That there's, That's there's not a, a good lot, thing. Well, it just goes so quickly. I always <laughs> yeah. feel that there's a lot more that I want to say, but um, you yes. know, we, we, we packed as much as we could into the 15, 20 minutes that I was speaking there. And I, I, w- I always have a good time. Michael is, uh, he's, he's a great interviewer. I find it just really easy. I, I've, I've done other radio programs or interviews where it's just, it's more awkward and it's just, it's, it's difficult. It's awkward. Whereas, um, Michael, he, you know, Michael Campbell, he's, he's, a, he's a professional. He's been around for a while and I just find his interviews always go smoothly. So yeah, we both, uh, speaking of uh, just on a tangent, done interviews in the past where you'll uh, send off, you know, this is what we talk about, this is what we don't talk about, you know, it's a good interview if we talk about these topics, if the other topics we're not going to really comment on, and you know, if it's if you say we're not going to talk about, this is just an example, we won't talk about uh, what the Fed did this week, and then you go into the interview and the first question is, so what did you think of the Fed this week? And you... <laughs> It's funny you, you say know, it's that just because just that awesome. was actually Michael's first question. Yeah, well, I know, but we, exactly. we said we would talk about that. But, with him, but so, yes, yeah. but I was I was forewarned beforehand that I would have to yes. put on my economist hat, and they know that that's yeah. not really something that I love to do. I don't like to make these big macroeconomic pick, uh, predictions or spend a lot of time 
diving really deeply into the macroeconomic framework, like what the Fed's going to do and where inflation and interest rates are going. We can have a sense of that. We, we always want to understand what's going on in the market. But we have always just found that spending too much time trying to make these predictions or you know forecast what the what a government or, or the Fed is going to do is just it's not it's not a good use of your energy and time as an investor, especially as an individual investor. A lot of the time, actually, you really just become uh, inundated and overwhelmed by the massive amount of information, and it can actually lead to paralysis by overanalysis or. Um, equally as bad or perhaps even worse, it could lead to overconfidence, somebody thinking that they know what's going to happen. They know what, where interest rates or inflation is going to go and they build a portfolio that's based on this belief that they're able to predict the future. And I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that either of those uh, courses of action uh, are suitable for most investors. Um, so we talked a little bit about that. Um, I think Michael just wanted to know, you know what, what my thoughts were on you know, the Fed's decision or the Fed's announcement, rather, that they're planning on raising interest rates in 2023, starting in 2023. Of course, my response was, you know, the Fed doesn't even know what's going to happen in 2023. They don't know what they're going to do in 2023. So uh, how is a regular investor going to know and build an investment strategy based on that? So uh, yeah, we just yeah. dove a little deeper as well. So you didn't get out your big bold economic predictions. Like you do have that target on the Dow of 44,648.12 on January 11th, 2027, do you not? And it's based off of a Fibonacci sequence, isn't it? You do <laughs> yeah. have that, but you just yes. don't like to talk about it. No, no. I like to keep that to myself, you know. <laughs> oh, geez. I, I, you know. <laughs> that's written on, in that white room you go in sometime that's kind of padded and you have that written up Exactly. On the wall. I like to keep yeah. it to myself partially because, you know, I think it's a great investment uh, idea and also largely because I think people will think I'm crazy when I start yes, investing uh, based just, on the just Fibonacci think you're sequence. Crazy. That's true. Just no, think. I mean, you know, it, it's it's um my my prediction is that we're not going to make predictions. My prediction is that whatever prediction the Fed is making or anybody else is making right now is not going to be correct or what mo the the consensus right now is not yeah, going to be correct. And we have some things even in this webinar that we're doing we're, that, you know, if, if you believe inflation is going to affect your portfolio, we will tell you, you know, what type of stocks to be in, in that scenario, but they happen to be very similar to the type of stocks we would be in, in a non-inflationary environment. So. Exactly. And just but we'll get the, into that. Yeah. And yeah. just for the strategy in terms of like, well, if you're not making these long-term predictions and what are you doing? Well, we believe, I believe strongly, and it's what we've based our, our strategy at Keystone on over for more than 20 years is that the best way to deal with an inflationary environment or any other environment is to have a portfolio of great companies, like really great businesses that are producing cash flow that are operating in markets um, whereby we see a sustainable growth trend. Um, so yeah. that might be, you know, sometimes that might be an essential boring business. It's more like a infrastructure utility style. Sometimes it may be a more exciting high tech business and AI, uh, internet of things or, or cloud computing. And it's really going to range. And certainly in some types of environments, like if we go into a hyperinflationary environment, some of those areas are not going to do well. Others will perform better. Um, and as well, if we don't go into an inflationary environment, um, same same thing. Some industries may um, not do as well, but you know others will perform very well. But we really like to find companies where 
there's there's less of a dependence on you know commodity price or a Fed decision or you know a government passing some spending bill. There's less dependence on that, and where these individual companies just have more control over their own futures. Of course, any business is going to have some exposure to events that are outside of their control but you know some businesses are just completely what we would call like say price takers commodity business doesn't matter what your strategy is um you know if you're in a commodity based business commodity prices go down it's very hard it's very hard to grow your your revenue and your earnings in that type of an environment so we look for businesses where we see a sustainable trend that is not going to be necessarily impacted by a fed decision um or you know a one percent or half percent difference in the GDP forecast. Um, you know, just as an example, I'll just say cloud computing. Like cloud computing, we've we've had recommendations in that space, um, and you know that's an area that was absolutely essential during the pandemic. It was on a strong growth trend beforehand, and um, in the in the pandemic, I mean, if we all had to shut in like we did thirty years ago, I don't think the economy could have done that. But because we had you know this higher level of digitization and cloud. Um, we were able to essentially shift a lot online. So it was growing before it grew through the pandemic. We think it's going to continue to grow. And then there's other types of businesses that are just, you know, staple, boring businesses like, you know, maybe a power generator or renewable company or an infrastructure company that owns toll roads and ports and data centers. Um, and it's really about getting a mix of these different types of businesses in your portfolio so that your portfolio is positioned to perform well in a variety of different economic scenarios. And that's the way that's the way that we invest. And then of course, once you're, you know, pinpointing these different areas you want to invest in, you also have to go through a lot of companies to determine, well, what is a good company financially in this space? So speaking of helping your portfolio uh, profit and do well in any environment, that's we're launching our next set of uh, live webinars. Encourage all our listeners to attend that uh, June 29th, 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, 10 would be Eastern. And then on July 6th, it would be 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's called Summer School for Your Portfolio. Show you how to start with a, our simple time-tested strategy. No gimmicks, no games, just solid stocks. Really, you'll get nowhere else. And how to avoid some of the landmines that exist in the current market environment. And there are many. Fears of inflation, we talked about that. High valuations, central banks endlessly printing money. You got meme stock distortion. And there's a fear of missing out in some areas. So how do you navigate through that? Well, whether you're just beginning your investment journey or you need a sober second opinion, uh, we say that class is in section and we'll have a section on inflation 101, investing in inflationary environments, growth stocks versus value stocks. Are we seeing a reversal in 2021? We got some new age themes 101, which should be tech, AI, the digitization of the globe really, renewables, clean tech, cannabis stocks, where the value is. Cryptocurrencies and blockchain, are these right for your portfolio? Healthcare trends and some old school investments, 101. Commodities and cyclicals, are gold stocks right for your portfolio? Staple and essential businesses. We'll give you a portfolio tune-up. So if you're building a new portfolio from the bottom up, you're reviewing and repairing your existing portfolio and give you some tips on portfolio maintenance. I think what a lot of people come for is our DIY starter portfolio provide detailed analysis five to seven new great stocks that you can buy for your portfolio today 
are to give you an example of the performance and why you may want to attend one of these events uh, in April of 2020 so just over a year ago our DIY webinar recommended six stocks or seven stocks six or seven in that range uh, the average gain was at today's price is 100.7%. So we've got some new unique businesses, profitable growth and dividend stocks in this segment. Uh, love to uh, have you attend that and love to see you, uh, anybody at that event. We'll have a 45-minute Q&A at the end. Myself and Aaron answering any and all your questions on any stocks that we talk about there or any you have in your portfolio and want a sober second opinion on. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I, I think that... I always, I always, I always like to refer to the best investment you can make because you're investing in your own ability to be a better investor. And we've been doing this for over 20 years, and we'd like to help people, yeah. you know, learn some of the lessons we've learned over that period of time. I mean, the rooms online can take 500 people. We had 600 tickets sold last time, so I mean, you always hear this, but it is good to get your tickets quickly. Anyways, we'll be talking about a number of things. I'm actually going to start off with one of the topics we're talking about. I'm just going to get into that a little bit of the topic that we'll talk about at the DIY, the webinar today. Um, I talk about how two or three great investments can change your life. I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples of those now. Keystone, in 2008, we recommended a company called Boyd. We've talked about this many times, $2.30. It's paid out $5.50 plus in dividends. It, it trades in the $220 range today. That's over 10,000%. Now, we also, you know, I'm going to relay a story. We talked about Boyd before, but at the tail end of the last decade, so around two years ago, two, three years ago, around the time it became clear that Boyd would be end up ranking as the best performing stock in Canada over the last decade, over that decade, we were asked many times, okay, so which stock will be the next Boyd? Now, we live in a world where it's, what have you done for me lately? We always hear that. Um, you can find the best stock of the past decade, then everybody's like, what's the next stock for the next decade? So we listed, a, you know, always listed a couple of potential companies there. One of the higher ranking companies at that time was a company called Expel. It's then traded on the TSX Venture. While it had, has yet to eclipse Boyd over the past just under four years, it has rocketed from $1.40 to the $90 range. Again, not up 10,000% like Boyd, but 6,000 is pretty damn good. And that's in just under four years. So my question would become, and what you should be asking out there is, you know, how do we find the next Expel? How did we find these companies, these type of businesses? How do we profile a business that comes out to be the next one of these for your portfolio. Now, let me be perfectly clear. These type of businesses are very, very rare. They're almost like what we'd call unicorns. So what we do is, though, we continue to utilize, utilize a strategy that gives our clients at least uh, the chance to hit on one of these type of businesses in their portfolio. In fact, one of the segments, like I said, in our live webinar, we will talk about how you can set up your portfolio to at least have a fighting chance of investing in or putting or getting one of these type of businesses in your portfolio. And just one can have life-altering effects on that portfolio. So there are two general elements to our process. To look, first we start off by looking over 3,500 companies in Canada. It's the most important part. And 5,000 plus in the U.S. Look for underlooked or underappreciated, great profitable businesses. And this is, again, the most important step. Without it, step two is really mo moot. 
It's a moot point. You don't you don't need it. You don't even you don't even move to it. But step two is important, however, and that is our strategy on how to build your portfolio. How many stocks? What type of stock? And over what period you should be building that and maintaining your portfolio. So if you want to truly benefit from owning one of these game changing stocks, I can first tell you what you shouldn't do, and that is build a portfolio in the traditional model. So it does sound controversial. Don't build it the traditional way. The big bank advisors will have you build your portfolio. Um, it's really not that con controversial because it's simple. And we have been detailing you why if you build your portfolio that way, you cannot benefit greatly from owning one of these great businesses in your portfolio. So we first look at what the traditional portfolio model looks like. Well, you go to a big bank they, the advisor drops your nest egg into about five to 10 or more mutual funds or ETFs, and that's essentially your portfolio. Now, if you wanna mirror the market, the basic concept here is okay, but you don't need to pay an advisor one to 2% and pay two plus percent on your mutual funds to achieve this. You can get you know, two to four market mirroring ETFs, low cost ETFs, spread out your dollars between that, and you'll be good to go. So you do not have to pay those fees so you don't underperform. You'll just slightly underperform from the lower fees in those ETFs. But if you wanna beat the market, which is why most of you listen to a podcast like this or become clients to Keystone, then if you buy five to 10 mutual funds or ETFs, which each own 100 plus stocks, you have set yourself up for failure. You'll mirror the market, and like I said, underperform due to those fees that you're charged. Even if a Boyd or Expel, over the past decade happen to be one of the hundreds of stocks in those ETFs, it will make up maybe a quarter or a half percentage of your portfolio. That's not enough to make any difference in terms of wealth creation. But if you make it one of 15 to 25 stocks in your portfolio and use that profile, look at all the stocks in Canada, try to come up with great businesses, narrow it down, look at three, four, 5,000 companies, come up with 10 companies in a year, you have the chance of finding good profitable businesses to put in your portfolio. So that will be one of the sections we'll talk about. I expand on that greatly and in more detail, but that's the type of kind of analysis that we're looking at in our upcoming webinar. Now, correct me if Any I'm wrong. Any final comments, guys, before well, we get yeah, to those? Sorry? Definitely, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but I believe in 2018, Expel actually was one of our uh, DIY seminar recommendations. Now, again, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but you know, even coming to one of those or coming to the webinar or yeah, about seminar. the $5 range it traded at exactly. then. And exactly. you know, it's $90. So, I mean, I think for the 29 or $79 ticket, uh, that investment, you know, that's gone from $5 then to 90 in that range. I think that would have paid off that uh, price of admission. I'm pretty confident in that. So those, you know, those are the type of companies that we've introduced also after we've already had our clients introduced to these companies at the webinar. So again, we, we uh, encourage you to attend and uh, listen to us and, and answer. We'll answer your questions there at the end. If you've got any questions about any stocks that you have, if you do just want a sober second opinion on two or three companies that you're looking at for your portfolio, attend that event and we'll ask your, answer your questions there. So let's get into our two Your Stock Our Takes for this week. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock Our Take buy, sell, or hold. The first one is Linamar Corporation, LNR on the CSX. 
Got a question from this, and Aaron is answering that one, I believe. Yes, you believe correct, Ryan. So Linamar Corporation, LNR, on the TSX, it trades at about $80 per share, and it's a $5 billion market cap company. So what they do is Linamar manufactures powertrains and drive lines for, ve for vehicle and power generation markets. The majority of the company's revenue comes from the vehicle segment. The company has over 26,000 employees in 61 manufacturing locations globally. I do think that Linamar is an interesting story right now. The company primarily services the auto sector, which is cyclical. And this is evident when you look at the company's historic financial performance, uh, with revenue growing and declining in line with global auto sales and demand. The reason I find this company interesting is because after two years of consecutive revenue declines, it appears that 2021 may be a year that they return to growth uh, for the company and the industry. Demand for autos right now is strong. COVID-19 hit the industry hard, so there is some pent-up demand as the economy is reopening. However, even however, even relative to 2019, demand in 2021 has been higher. There's also the transition to electric vehicles, which further supports demand over the next several years. So 2020 was a weak year for Linamar overall, but the company did produce double-digit revenue growth and doubled more than doubled its earnings in the first quarter of this year. Revenue for Q1 increased 15% and earnings per share for the quarter were $2.41 compared to $1.04 in the previous year. Analyst consensus for the company right now is earnings per share of $7.60 for the current year, 2021, growing to $8.25 in 2022. This puts the valuation at right about 10, 11 times uh, analyst consensus for 2021, which is certainly a discount to the overall market. The balance sheet, balance sheet appears healthy with debt to equity of 0.2 and debt to EBITDA of less than 0.3 times. So overall, the fundamentals of Linamar look strong and the stock price is only moderately above where it was just before the start of the pandemic last year. The valuation right now certainly looks inexpensive. This isn't a company that I am personally extremely familiar with at this point. The yield is only 0.8%, so it doesn't really qualify for our Canadian dividend research. The yield just isn't attractive enough. Uh, this is also a cyclical company, and typically we like to purchase companies where we have a better feeling of where the trend of earnings and revenue will go over the next three years. However, as I said, it does look like 2020 year may be a return to growth for Linamar and for the industry, and given the strong balance sheet and the valuation, there's certainly something that we can dig into here. Uh, it's an interesting business, and I look forward to researching it further. Very interesting. Yeah, it's a good summary on the business, and it is one, you know, if they're, you know, as far as a reopening trade, um, it, it, it's an area that we're looking at. Um, we, we have one company at the start of this year that, uh, you know, services the, the, um, Auto parts industry that we do have a recommendation on has a really clean balance sheet, a net cash position, but uh, and pays a little bit higher yield, about a three point, well, quite a bit higher, three point eight percent yield. Um, yeah, smaller business, but uh, good, you know, offering decent value right now, and has already moved up this year, which is nice to see, and we could see continued growth from that business as well, and our clients will know that business well. Uh, let's move to our next company. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. 
Brennan, you're going to take that one. It is a new IPO. It's Element Nutritional Sciences, Inc., E-L-M-T on the CSE. And you also had a question there uh, about in regards to what we would look at with a new IPO in terms of making an informed decision on whether it may be a potential investment now or in the future. Exactly. So I want to go a little educational here. Um, I did receive uh, this question actually came in from a client. I'm going to keep his name secret. Um, but I thought it was a good question, and uh, I recently answered it. And before it. you get in, can you confirm that that is your target market, though? The, um, the market that I spoke it's, of? Yeah, sure. We could go with that. That You're is my... speechless. <laughs> All right, just go. Brennan go. neither confirms nor yes, denies. Exactly, <laughs> denies, <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the poor guy. Always getting beat up. But no, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It would be boring if I wasn't. Um, okay, so uh, like I said, this came in from a client. Uh, he's basically asked two questions. He says, I was hoping you could tell me what you know or think of Element Nutritional. Um, And then he also says, do you have any recommendations regarding what information you would typically like to know about a new IPO to make an informed decision regarding investigating or even following for possible future investments? Well, first off, I'm going to answer that second question. For any business, regardless if it's an IPO or has been publicly traded for a long time, the general checklist that I look at to justify an investment include a good runway for growth, you know, generally looking at revenue and profitability. I, I want to see some growth going forward. Um, the second point is profitability. This is either, you know, the company generating net income or adjusted EBITDA. Now, the third point is the company has a reasonable valuation. This is either looking at the price to sales multiple, price to earnings multiple, or you know the enterprise value to EBITDA multiple, which we typically use. And then the fourth point is having a healthy balance sheet, which means essentially uh, you know cash on the balance sheet and not too much debt. So uh, keeping those in mind, we will come back to those and kind of see how this company checks those off. So Element Nutritional Sciences Inc. ELMT on the CSE currently trading at a price of around 73 cents and has a market cap of just under 70 million dollars. Now, as Ryan said, Element is a Canadian nutraceutical company specializing in the development of science-based products for the global consumer packaged goods market focused specifically on men and women over the age of 50. And like Ryan said, the latter being my own target market. Just kidding. But uh, (laughs) yes, so uh, the company's flagship product is called Rejuvenate. And essentially, this is an organic plant protein drink. And it also offers Jack TRX, which is a brand of performance supplements. So looking at a few key points here, the company did IPO on the Canadian Securities Exchange at a price of 88 cents on May 26, 2021. So it is a little bit down from that IPO price. Uh, Element recently completed a $5 million private placement on June 4th uh, for approximately 8.3 million shares. Um, And I did include those shares in the market cap that I referenced before of just under 70 million. And uh, as well, the company's products are gaining decent traction now in about 15,500 locations in the U.S., 750 locations across Canada, and multiple e-commerce platforms. Um, And a few of these recent deals include getting into 8,400 Walgreens across the U.S., and then also receiving purchase orders from Sam's Club e-commerce platform and iHerb, which is also another e-commerce platform. And the company expects uh, Rejuvenate, so their flagship product, to be available uh, to order in July of 2021 on both of these online channels. 
So now that I've given you guys some background on the business, let's take a look at the recent financials for Q1 of 2021. Now, revenue growth does appear good when we first look at it, but keep in mind the comparable period last year was weak due to COVID. Um, but anyways, over the period, revenue did increase about 95% uh, to $345,000. Now, the company is still losing money. They have a net loss for the quarter, which was approximately $1.5 million. But about 400,000 of this was from increased professional fees as the company went public, but still, you know, they're still losing money. Now, looking at the balance sheet, if we include the recent 5 million equity raise that I, I brought up before, it does appear healthy with a net cash position after leases and debt of approximately 3.9 million. And if we annualize the company's most recent Q1 2021 revenue, it is currently trading with a price to sales multiple of about 50 times, which is expensive. But keep in mind, the company has recently gotten into some new sales channels, as I said, uh, but it is of my opinion that even with the new revenue from these deals, I still believe the price, it, price to sales multiple will be pricey. And nonetheless, without forward financial guidance, including these additional sales channels, we are still sort of in the dark and must speculate if we are paying uh, or, or if we're getting a good deal or not uh, for the price that it's trading at right now. So... Uh, reverting kind of back to the four points that I talked about before, let's go through you know those investment checklists that I proposed and see how this company stacks up. So number one, does the company have a good runway for growth? Now, I personally think that we can provide a check mark here. Uh, the company is getting into new new locations, uh, but we are still a little uncertain if the product will sell through in its new channels. But nonetheless, I'm going to give it a check mark here for the number one. Now number two profitability so looking at net income or EBITDA now unfortunately on both a net income and adjusted EBITDA basis the company is still far from profit so we can give the company an X here uh, so so far the company's one for two here so looking at the third point does the company have a reasonable valuation well like I said on a price to sales basis I think the company also deserves uh, an X here with it trading at 50 times annualized Q1 2021 sales Going forward, this might change, but like I said before, I personally speculate that once these sales channels come online, I still think that the company will be generally pricey. And the last point here, uh, does it have a healthy balance sheet? Well, right now, I'm sort of conflicted for giving the company a check mark here, but although it has a net cash balance or net cash position right now due to the recent 5 million equity raise, the company is not profitable and has a cash burn rate of approximately 1 million per quarter. So seeing this, I am only going to give the company half a check mark here because they're probably going to have to raise money uh, in the future uh, and burn through this cash. So with these four basic criteria for investment that I listed, only one and a half of these con uh, four conditions have been met. Um, you know, and, and even I, I wouldn't even say that they've fully been met. There's still some questions that coming that, that come into my mind. Uh, so essentially, Element wouldn't meet our investment criteria. You know, it's certainly an interesting company with, uh, you know, decent traction. They're getting into new stores, but it's operating in a very competitive space and is essentially just too speculative right now for our liking. Yeah, I think that provides an excellent summary of kind of how we would look at that business. Uh, we continue to monitor. We monitor all new IPOs that come onto the market. Um, it's really, you know, the revenue growth is 
coming off that low base looks solid, but it's still really a small revenue base that we're looking at. Anything under like a million on a quarterly basis, I mean, even a million on a quarterly basis is very small. So, um, you know, we will continue to monitor if the growth continues out of the pandemic. It's certainly in a hot segment. And if it can start to produce cash flow, those are things we'd like to see. So those exactly. are things we look at. We look at a new IPO or any business. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, include those those checklists because, you know, that is also something that Ryan is going to, you know, kind of touch uh, on in the webinar, in the upcoming webinar, you know, how to, you know, analyze a business for yourself. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to, to give people kind of a little bit of a taste um, because, you know, it is just a simple, you know, checklist essentially of, you know, going through the list and seeing if you want to invest in, in the company. Yeah, and I'll give you a simple five, six steps to analyze any business. You get a hot stock tip out there, like, you know, we get these questions on these companies all the time. Uh, I'll tell you how you could go and take five or six steps and figure out whether this is pure speculation or investment, potentially investment worthy. Uh, There's obviously other steps you have to take to really plop down your dollars, but you can quantify that hot stock tip is either uh, investment worthy or just pure speculation. So you know if you are going to invest in that company, what type of money? Is it play money or is it really some investment that I, you know, I want to grow over the next one to 10 years, right? Like it's a totally different uh, type of investment once you quantify it either way. So I think that's going to end our show for this week. Uh, We're really excited next week uh, to have our upcoming live webinars, Summer School for Your Portfolio. Love to see any and all of you there. Uh, And as always, keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segments or Ask Us Anything. We'll do a debate on individual companies as well if you want us to look at two in the similar industry. Or one, we'll just uh, argue whether or not it's a buy or sell on both sides of the argument. As always, I wish you profitable investing and look forward to seeing you next week at our live webinar. Profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.